0: the youth, primarily, um, got service here next Sunday at 10 o'clock. There's also a fellowship meal next Sunday. Everyone is welcome to join us in that. You're probably used to maybe wonder where Glenn is. He, maybe you all know it. He went to a baptism this morning. Am I correct about that? Your dad went to, okay, baptism up at Faith Bible. So um, that's where they are. He asked me to fill in with the announcements this morning. Um, Then a week from this coming Sunday Or a week from this coming weekend Are the youth meetings over at Halsey Mennonite And they did say our youth are welcome to join them If we want to And so I last Wednesday asked for a little bit of a raise of hand, See who might possibly be interested in going It starts Friday night Several sessions on Saturday And I think several sessions on Sunday If I'm not mistaken So it's kind of two and a half days or Friday evening, and then two two days at least into the afternoon on Sunday, I believe. And um, so, anyway, keep that in mind. I, I guess one thing we would need to decide as a congregation, if all of our, you know, if a bunch of our youth do decide to go, and then if they do decide to attend the Sunday morning service, that would take a, you know, take away a bunch from here. I know we have in the past. It's been several years since we've done this, but it's also been several years since they've had these meetings. Um, we have shut down here and went over there to sit in on the the meetings there. So that's something we can think about. We've got two weeks to decide, but I'll just put that bug in the ear and you can think about that. Um, Anything else? Any announcements or prayer requests? Before we pray. Did I cover everything? Yes. Talk to Darren Berkey, who's out there doing up for Dean and Kay. he he he's on the panel, he's supposed to do the panel discussion at the youth conference and mm-hmm. asked me if, for questions if our youth would come up with some questions. okay. Okay. Well, the, the theme of the weekend is serving and the question is or the the request is that they want questions they want some of us to come up with some some of you youth to come up with some questions to discuss in the panel discussion okay consider yourselves requested anything else okay well we'll pray for the sickness over at your church we'll pray for the sermon here so Bob if you want to come on over here special day for you right Bob you uh are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus is that right yeah that that's too yeah. Oh, and that mostly just, and you get a preach and I get to preach yeah, all right talk about anything that. else uh yeah there's a birthday thing oh it's your birthday yeah. today how nice Oh, well, 54 okay. okay 54 okay well that's uh, real special mm-hmm. and uh this is a nice birthday gift you get a yeah, thank you for sharing the birthday gift with us. So God bless you as you preach. Let's all pray. Why don't we stand to pray? Dear Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for gathering us here. We thank you so much for the service so far. The the memory of the, our resurrected Savior. Mm. Thank you that because He lives, we can live also. And Lord, I pray for my brother Bob as he gets ready to share. Pray that you bless him on his birthday. Bless anybody else, Lord, who also may be celebrating a birthday here this morning. We just pray that you would bless everyone that's here for whatever reason. And we just lift up the congregation there at Harrisburg that have the sickness going through them. We pray that you would grant healing and protection. Lord, we know that these things can be deadly depending on who gets them and how bad. And So we pray for protection. We pray for this whole community. We pray for the youth meetings coming up. Lord, there's a lot going on, but we just rejoice in you this morning. This is a time of rejoicing. And I, I just pray, God, for your Holy Spirit to come and rest on us, guide us through the rest of this service. I once again, bless Bob as he shares whatever you've laid on his heart. Let, give us also ears to hear and to be changed. We bless you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, brother. Yes.
1: It is my birthday, and yes, I do consider this a present. It's always an honor to be asked to come up here, but um, on Resurrection Sunday, to be asked to preach is, is more than an honor. It is, a, um, it is a blessing too deep, really, to express. And I, I, I am very humbled by the, um, by the assignment, and that it's on my birthday is even better. Cause that's, it's a gift. It really is a gift to be able to, to share God's Word. I um, I've been going through two different resources uh, mostly and I've been challenged by both of them deeply and out of that challenge I've wanted to want to kind of present some of the things that I'm thinking about you're all welcome along with the ride but this this sermon is for me um, I appreciate your presence here I appreciate you the uh, opportunity to be able to share these things but um, Really, I'm speaking a lot of these things to myself because this is, this is a sorely lacking area of my life. What a way to celebrate uh, coming to the conclusion of studying one of the most controversial books in the Bible, the Revelation. Uh, there are just, this, this, I don't know how many, uh, different, different ideas of how to take the allegories and the history that's presented there, the, the future predictions. Uh, there's got to be at least a thousand different theories And this very church alone will probably have at least 12 um, different theories on on how to interpret Revelation. We have one more week to go, Lord willing, before we're done with that book and we're on to another. And uh, just just being able to hear the different theories and different understandings and the things that are coming out, I got to tell you, it, it is a way to celebrate to say that we all agree upon this one doctrine. Christ is risen. If you don't agree on that doctrine, then I ask, are you a Christian? Because that is the core function. That is the core belief. That that is the the core hope that we have. He has been risen. He has died and He has risen again. But even in this theory, (laughs) even in this fact that He died and He resurrected, that He is alive today and that that He directs His church, that His Holy Spirit is possessing us, and all of that, there are still man's theories that creep into it and, and in the process of going through this sermon I, I uh, found a couple of them the theory of recapitulation this is Christ went through all the stages of human life resisting all temptations died and rose a victor over death and the devil making all benefits of his victory available to us that's a, that's a theory called recapitula- recapitulation uh, ransom Christ's death was paid to Satan to purchase human beings who were captive to sin and who are now set free. Uh, another theory, a moral example. Christ's death provided an example of faith and obedience that inspires others to believe and to be obedient to God. The moral influence, that was example, this is a moral influence. Christ's death was not a moral example to humanity, but a demonstration of God's great love for people. Christ's death inspires humans. Uh, human beings to begin to live rightly. They ins- get inspired. The combat theories. That, well, those focus on the fact that though Jesus' death and resurrection, God won the defi- decisive victory over the evil powers, sin, not merely personal sins, but sin as a power, death, and all behind, uh, and death and all the sicknesses and such that are uh, behind all that was the devil. Um, the Latin expression probably more familiar is uh, Christus Victoria, which, uh, which often is used to speak of that particular theory. And There's, there's verses here that talk about it. Um, the government theology stresses the law of God and says that God has a right to punish sin. And there, thereby he did with his judgment of Christ on the cross. The optional satisfaction allows for but does not require satisfaction of God's justice for sinners. God could have freed man in any other way for nothing is impossible with God. I don't know if uh, you've ever had a chance to to see a depiction of of the flogging alone of what Christ went through. innocent your son have to suffer anyway optional satisfaction necessary satisfaction it was necessary for God's offended justice and honor to be satisfied by a penalty that only Christ could pay penal substitution this is probably the biggest one uh, as in a penalty builds on the necessity the necessity satisfaction theory but adds that because God's absolute justice has been violated, a substitution for sin had to be made by a sinless son of God. Penal satisfaction theorizes, uh, theories emphasize God's just demands that, uh, and the dire consequences of rebelling against them. Jesus' atoning sacrifice builds a bridge across the gap of our, that our sin creates between humanity and God. Sometimes the focus is on how Jesus' death covers our sin, and changes. Us. Sometimes it's on how Jesus' death satisfies God's honor and changes God's disposition towards us. You know, but what I read and what I uh, looked at and all the research I did, it seems like uh, just, just just a side rabbit trail. It seems like most of the Anabaptist theory before the 1900s would have said that uh, that. The last one, the penal substitution—that that Christ suffered and He died the judgment of God the Father because of our sins—that would have been the teaching and of, of majority of the writers of the Anabaptist thinking. However, in the early 1900s, that started to switch. Uh, early 1900s, by the by uh, 50s, there were some interne- uh, very influential Anabaptist professors and, and leaders and. And by the 70s, clearly it was taught that God's violent punishment did not line up with the view that we would hold, Anabaptists would hold, on God the Father. That He wasn't a violent Father. I'm not really sure how they came about that. They must not read the Old Testament. Um, but at any rate, I, I think what's ironic is that most of the Anabaptist the higher thinking, teaching, professing, writing right now is talking about the combat. <laughs> Theory that Christ rose victorious over sin and death. And it wasn't, uh, wasn't that our punishment was like Isaiah would say. We'll go more into that a little bit later. But I have to ask this morning, what does that really matter? I mean, we're just getting out of Revelation. We're just just trying to accept each other's theories and things and we're moving on. Why are we we're talking about all these different theories? What really happened is that God accomplished the atonement through the death and resurrection of Jesus. It is something like an innocent party paying for a legal debt for the guilty. It's something like a victorious warrior defeating sin and death. It's something like a new master ransoming someone out of slavery. It's something like the love of God filling all requirements so sin does not stand in the way of a personal relationship with God. I, I think the Bible demonstrates all of those theories. The point is, without the death and the resurrection... We wouldn't be Christians. We, we couldn't be alive. We'd be dead in our sins. What really matters is that He died and He rose again—not just dying, but suffering under the judgment of God. Now, let, let me—I'm going to go into why I'm reading this book, but I'm going to let me read this one little section here. This—I think this was a, something that really made me think a little bit. So I'm going to share this, these thoughts here with you. Um, and again, I'll explain this book in just a bit. Do we really think that the false judgment of men heaped upon Christ would pay the debt for all of humanity's sin? Do we really think that the crown of thorns and the whips and the nails and the wooden cross and all the other facets of the crucifixion that we glorize are are powerful enough to have saved us? Picture Christ in the garden of Gethsemane as he kneels before his father, drops of sweat and blood falling together from his head. Why is he in such agony and pain? The answer is not because he is afraid of the crucifixion. He is not trembling because of what the Roman soldiers are about to do to him. Since that day, countless men and women in history of Christianity have died for their faith. Some of them were not just hung on the cross, but they were burned on there. Many of them went to their crosses singing. One uh, one Christian in India, while being skinned alive, looked at his uh, persecutors and said, I thank you for this. Tear off my old garments, for I will soon put on Christ's garments of righteousness. As he prepared to to head to his execution, Christopher Love wrote a note to his wife saying, Today they will sever me from my physical head, but they cannot sever me from my spiritual head, Christ. As he walked to his death, his wife applauded while he sang glory. (laughs) Uh, Did these men and women in Christian history have more courage than Christ himself? Why was he trembling in the garden, weeping and full of anguish? we can rest assured that He was not a coward about to face Roman soldiers. Instead, He was a Savior about to endure a divine wrath. Listen to the words, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from Me. The cup is not referring to the wooden cross it is a reference to divine judgment. It is the cup of God's wrath. This is what Jesus is, uh, is uh, recoiling from in the garden. All God's holy wrath and hatred towards sin and sinners stored up since the beginning of the world is about to be poured out on him, and he is sweating blood at the thought of it. What happened at cross was not primarily about the nails being thrust into Jesus' hands and feet, but about the wrath due to, due to your sin and my sin being thrust upon his soul. It was that holy moment, all the righteous wrath and justice of God due to us came rushing down on uh, like a torrent on Christ himself. Some say say God looked down and could not bear to see the suffering that the soldiers were inflicting upon Jesus, so He turned away. But this is not true. God turned away because He could not bear to see your sin and my sin on His Son. It, it It was an amazing thing that changed, that happened because of that cross. It wasn't just... It wasn't just some Easter story. It wasn't just some story that we can share with our children and, and, and driving and passing and talking. This is you gotta understand, this was God's wrath. He changed the game. He changed history. There was only one that could do that, and that was Jesus. I know that it sounds like he took all of our sin upon himself because he did, but the story does not end there. For some it, it did. Well, you, you know, here's a quote from a man who lived out much of Christ's teachings, a very wise man who lived out Christ's teachings, all except for the resurrection. All except for the resurrection. This man said this: a man who was completely innocent offered himself as a sacrifice for the good of others, including his enemies, and became the ransom for the word. Became a ransom. You know all the words. He became a ransom for the word. It was a perfect act. Any guess who said that? Mahatma Gandhi. Never claimed as a Christian. Never followed Christ. And yet, he could see, even from his world point of view, he could see that there was something different about the sacrifice of Christ. It is not, it's not the suffering on the cross, the death under the judgment of God that I want to talk about this morning. The resurrection is the central point of Christianity. Without it, Christ was a good teacher. He was a prophet perhaps, but not God showing us the way to live and showing the evidence of His authority. In 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen, And if Christ has not risen from the dead, then your faith is nothing. You are still guilty of your sins. We still rest in the mire if it wasn't for the very fact and the reality that Christ died and He was resurrected. Here's a part of a, of a devotion I found concerning this, this morning. I who deserve to die because I have sinned am completely forgiven and now belong to the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of death. This is more grace than I deserve, but it has nothing to do with what I deserve and everything to do with Jesus' love and grace for me personally. Amen. And I wholeheartedly agree. But that's not what I'm struggling with this morning. See, I I work with this... uh, uh, this Russian fella and he's, I love him. He's just a really neat guy. He has, he has a lot of good things to say. But one of the most irritating things he says is I will tell him a fact. I have this problem or I have this problem. And he'll look at me and he'll say, and? This drives me nuts. <laughs> but here's the deal. I wholeheartedly agree with that devotion. But there's something left. There's something lacking. And? And? He paid for my sins. If it wasn't for him, I'd be dead in my sins. And you know, before the Resurrection Sunday, there was a sacrifice. It is hand in hand with the Resurrection. A ransom price paid for an indebted man who served Satan. The price to be paid for disobedience to God. The sin debt. By His death He paid for all our sins and transgressions whereby we clothe ourselves in His righteousness so that we are made holy by His act. But why listen to me? Why listen to the words that I wrote? How about Paul, Romans through says this, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a sacrifice for atonement by His blood, effective through faith. He did this to show His righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He has passed over the sins previously committed, it, uh, it was to prove at the present time that He Himself is righteous and that He justifies those who have faith in Him. That's the new revised standard. Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.21 For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. That's the verse I've been dwelling on all week. It's a verse that I, um, our family all... all Try to ask God for a verse to meditate on a week individually, and that's the one that I feel like God gave me before I started even writing this. Uh, Galatians three ten, for as many are uh, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, "Cursed is everyone that that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law, to do them." That were cursed under these things. If it wasn't for his Crucifixion it wasn't way. If it wasn't for Christ changing history, changing the way we approach God, the amazingness of the, what we celebrate this morning has mm-hmm. got to be registered to you. First Peter two twenty four says, "As he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin." And that's what I'm wrestling with right now this morning. Can you listen to that? He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Amen and amen. And that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. First Peter 2.24 He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. It would seem that He did indeed surely bore our griefs and carry our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions for our transgression, he was crushed; for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought, us to peace, that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We all are like sheep who have gone astray; we have turned every one to their own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted; yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb who is was led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before all shears is silent, he so he opened not his mouth. You know, John Wesley, he looked at that and he wrote this in his book. John Wesley wrote in his work The Doctrine of Original Sin. Our sins were the procuring cause. They were the reason, the cause, the, 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 the purpose, the procuring cause for all his sufferings. His sufferings were the penal effect of our sins. The chastisement for, uh, of our peace. The punishment necessary to procure it was laid on him freely submitting thereto and by his stripes a part of his suffering again put for the whole we are healed pardoned sanctification and final salvation are all purchased and bestowed upon us every chastisement is for a fault that laid on Christ was not for his own but ours and was needful to reconcile an offending lawgiver an offended lawgiver and offering guilty creatures to each other. So the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. That is, the punishment due to our iniquity. I, I hope that hasn't been said uh, too many times in your life to realize the amazingness of that. Our sin was laid on Him so that we could have a relationship with Him. It's, it's unlike any other belief system. It's unlike any other faith system. It's unlike any other religious system. All of our sins were put on Him. He did the act so that we could be saved. So there we have it. Jesus bought forgiveness through His act. Whether it was one theory or another or all of them, it doesn't matter. We are now saved through faith in Him. As Jesus said in His last words hanging on the cross, words recorded for us by the disciple whom He loved, words said right before one of the most profound written words Ever written in any book in any source the words that said that he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit, think about that those that 's profound words. God himself bowed his head and died, but before he said that, John recorded this. Jesus said, it is finished, but what was finished? our salvation if we have anything to do with it at all, it is to accept it. The cross that needs to the, the, the bridge that needs to be crossed between the chasm of our sin and destruction and the things that separate us from God, that that has been bridged by the cross. It's by his act. But wait a minute. You want to know what really challenges me this morning? Because that's all the stuff we've all heard before. All of that has been written, polished, pronounced, preached on, put on tracks, put on the size of cars. All of that is really true and gospel and necessary. But I ran, I ran across that little work. Not this book, but I ran across a little work, a, a doctoral thesis from a professor up in Canada, and it stopped me in my tracks when I read it. He said, if that's all true, hmm, if the work on the cross did finish it, and, and yet we have this little verse we got to deal with here. A couple of them, actually, from the New Testament, from, from the Gospels. Verses that quote Jesus, the founder of our faith, the one who knows about more about our faith than Paul did. We have these little verses to hit. And unless you're willing to take up your cross and come with me, you're not fit to be my disciple. How about this one? The one who doesn't take up their cross and follow me isn't worthy of me. Matthew 10. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If you will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 16 now wait a minute Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow he washed it all away his death on the cross paid for my sins and there's nothing left for me to pay why then do I need to pick up a cross that was where he died it would do me no good to pick up a cross and die. If He paid it all, if He took care of the price, then there's nothing left for me to do. And I tell you with confidence, He did pay the price that we could not. He did rise victorious over death and the grave where we could not. We cannot pay for our sins. But that's not all that He did in that act. He showed us a way. He showed us that now the wall of separation... Or the valley of judgment where God cannot be. Where He had to turn away from because of the filth and the evil of it. Now that it has been conquered, we can follow Him. By the work on the cross, we can now follow Christ. Jesus not only did the impossible reconciling us to Him. he He started something completely different than the world had ever known before. There is something this morning for us to understand. It is not theology or classroom doctrines. It is the call of a risen Savior who said to Peter after he was resurrected. He said to Peter this. He said, follow me. He said that on the shores of the Sea of Galilee after the resurrection. It is the same Savior that says it it to us today. Follow me. For to you... Uh, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us as an example or leaving for us an example that you should follow in his steps first peter two twenty one see Jesus did something different than any other while he was walking the earth you know people study under someone and they follow a system they put into practice what they've learned and they are known as the followers of confucius or the followers of gandhi or the followers of hitler or the followers of einstein even they follow, following jesus is unlike studying under any rabbi or being a pupil of any greek philosopher these disciples who uh, these, uh, these disciples would have an attachment to the teaching and the tradition of the Master. But they would have more than that. For Jesus' disciples, for us here today, if we call Him Lord, there is an attachment first and foremost to His person. Following Him. It's radical. And it's a complete following. Now you can follow... Any of those world leaders I just mentioned, any of those religious leaders I just mentioned, you could follow the teaching of any of the main big pastors today. But if you're just following them, then you're following them. But this is a completely different thing. You're abandoning yourself to Christ and Christ alone. You can learn a martial art, not that I recommend it at all, but you can learn a martial art and be able to reproduce the, mov- the movements of a master. Uh, That you studied under. But no matter how much you try, you cannot be possessed by that master. Your moves are still yours, defined and redefined by another, but still distinctively your moves. In Christianity, we are called to die in our sins and be made alive in Him. Early Anabaptists called this walking in the resurrection. And that phrase stopped me in my tracks. I'm not walking in the resurrection. I still got my take on things. This is not too subtle of a difference, really. The Reformers, and thus the forefathers of American Christianity thought, Christian thought, would emphasize the status of forgiveness or redemption through the redemptive work of Christ on the cross and the resurrection. They would say the importance of, Christ, of, of Easter, the importance of Resurrection Sunday, the importance of, of all Christianity, the fact that God died on the cross and the resurrection thereof, after there. The purpose of that is so that you can be forgiven. That's the emphasis. But I beg you, as I'm struggling with this in my own life, I beg myself to understand this. The Bible understanding from the Gospels would have the emphasis on the regeneration following the forgiveness. Christ did not die on the cross that we could be forgiven for forgiveness sake. But so that we who were dead in our transgressions could be made alive in His resurrection. That means, we know, that means we do not follow Him and His teachings as a good Anabaptist. We, we don't follow as a good member of Valley Christian Fellowship. We don't follow, and we're not a follower of Mark or Minnow. We follow Jesus as we are filled with Jesus. Oh, but i got to ask, is that how it is for you? It's not for me this fine resurrection morning? There is so much selfishness and corruption from a rotting dead body in me that I'm surprised you can't smell it from where you're sitting. What are we missing? He gives us free will every morning, every day to die. Not once, but over and over again. He says He will empower us to do this. But we have to first get out of the way. We do have to be a student of His teaching and His life. And we do have to follow it. But really, we have to say no to our will to be able to fully do this. You know, it's kind of like that guy who sings Amazing Grace, right? With all the flourishing and the, and the trilling and, the, and the, all the beautiful talent that he has in singing Amazing Grace. Think about that. When you do that, when someone does that, when, when I do that, when I sing a song and I, and I put a lot into it, I'm taken away from what was written. I'm adding my own stuff. I'm doing my style to it. At the end of the day, the question is, do I want people to hear the words and the meaning of the song, to feel and hear the amazing message of that song? Or do I want people to hear how well I can sing it? Does my life show the amazingness, the awesomeness of God? Or does it show how blessed a life I can have by living according to His laws and precepts and commands and instructions. You know, we've all said in this congregation, and I don't know how many times we've heard a children' lesson that talks about, uh, uh, you know, this is the first com- uh, commandment with a promise. What is the com- What's the promise, guys? Honor your and mother. Sorry.
0: Honor your father and mother.
1: Yeah, but what's the promise? That it will be well with you and live long. Hmm. Could someone look up Deuteronomy for me? Chapter 5. Deuteronomy, chapter 5. Ending of the chapter, verses 32 and 33. Can someone read that out loud? Really loud? Yeah, it's part of a children's lesson. Yeah, it's about that commandment. But you know what? It is the nature of God's belief system that if we follow and if we obey, we are going to live a blessed life. If we follow and obey, we're going to live long in the land. That's a promise given to us, not just to the children. We will have a blessed life. It is a promise. But are we allowing Him to show through us? Are we allowing to go beyond the fact that we have a blessed life? Are we showing His hands working through us? Are we showing His will working through us? Are we saying no to ourselves? Or are we just comfortable? You can get really comfortable in the blessings of the Lord. I can get really comfortable in the blessings of the Lord. <laughs> I've got a wonderful family. I've got a great house. I've got a car that actually runs. Or two three of them. You know, i got a job that pays all my bills. I, I have a future that I, I feel like the Lord has put on me, but it doesn't have much sacrifice in it. His death, His resurrection, is more than just a way for me to be reconciled and be blessed. It is a way for me to follow. Get this, I. I must die. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. In Galatians 2. How about this one in in Corinthians? This is is one of the few times you can read a verse that has an exclamation point at the end of it. I die every day. 1 Corinthians 15.31 I die every day day. Romans 6, 4-11. through 11. We are buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. If that verse ended right there, that would be the preaching of any church you're going to hear this morning. Any church you walk into. We were buried, and therefore with him in baptism and in death, in order that just as Christ was risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. But it goes on: for if we have been united with him in death, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in his resurrection, like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. in Christ Jesus. Now if I was in front of our friends at a Baptist church or a Methodist church or a whatever church and I were to share that verse, I would say to them, you know, when you became a Christian, did you kneel down on the carpet and say, repeat after me from somebody else, Lord, come into my life, forgive my sins. And I, and I would say to that church, I would say, does that sound like to you that if we have been united with him in a death like his? Am I a Christian because I've made a prayer? I, I've repeated after somebody? Now I know that we don't believe in that. I know that we don't believe in the sinner's prayer. I know we believe in a life resurrected in him. And I, and I know we teach that and I know that's true. And, it, and I am blessed by the teaching. But I can tell you, I haven't caught it. I, I haven't lived a life that's resurrected. I haven't lived a life that's, that's united with Him in a debt like His. I am comfortable. I am comfortable. I confess to you today, I shouldn't be. Death, it hurts. Death is a loss. Death is a mourning. I'm not there. I, I, I'm not. i feeling that loss. I'm, I'm comfortable. Oh, I, I do forgive people, and oh, I confess, and I, I humbly speak to others, and I, I, I. But what is he doing in me? What do people see him doing? Do they see me dying to my pride, and, and confessing, or do they see me confessing because I know that that's the way to blessing? I can't have this hidden sin in my life anymore. I've got to confess to get rid of it so, so I can be uh, better with my wife and better with my, my Lord and, and, and feel not guilty when I'm up here preaching. And, 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 or is it because God lives and I'm dead? And He calls a dead body to confess that dead body better do what He says because He's God. <laughs> Am I asking every morning, what's in His way? What is in your way today, Lord? When I lay my head down to go to bed, am I asking God, what did I do today that I didn't say yes to you? You know, I'm so... Those who know me, those who are visitors, you don't know me very well. I'm too opinionated. I am too opinionated. I have too many opinions. And I know I need to love my wife and my children much more than I do. I know I need to give myself to the things He is busy about. There really is no radical element in my life. And how about you? Have you looked the other way when the Holy Spirit told you to go? Has He told you to stop? Has He told you to be not so comfortable? You know, whatever. He has said, uh, has He told you that a project has too much of yourself in it? Has He said, or, or can I ask you this morning, can I ask you morning this are the books that you're reading, are the videos you're watching, are, are the phone usage and the computer usage, are they best described in these words? Walking a resurrected life. Can I ask you that seriously? Take a deep thought about what you read, about what you view, what, what, you, what you allow as entertainment, what you allow in your conversations, in, in gossip or no gossip, Can it be best described by somebody as saying they're walking a resurrected life? Your private moments where nobody else knows are you walking a resurrected life? Can you say with Scripture, for I have died and my life is hidden with Christ in God? You know, it puts a new meaning, at least for me, to that verse that says for me to die is to gain and to live is to Christ. It's not about for me to 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 live for me to die is to gain I I, I want to die so that he can live. I'm blocking him this morning. I'm blocking him last week. I'm blocking him the week before that. I'm blocking him in my life. And I've got to get to that point where I'm walking that resurrected life. You know on New Year's Day people often make these resolutions. They say things like I will Right? New Year's. Brand new year. You have an opportunity. I will not. I will start. I'm going to stop. But how about this one for a New Year's resolution? How about this for an Easter, a Resurrection Sunday resolution? I will die. This Resurrection Sunday, the call is out there for us to respond to it. My resolution is to die. I want more of Jesus. More and more of Him. I want more of Jesus than I ever had before. I want more of His great love, so full and rich and free. I want more of Jesus, so I will give Him all of me, not just more. Lord, help me die out that prayer. You know, practically, how does that work out? You can get comfortable even as a plain person. We, or or, or maybe just me, often look at the American church and see the manner of dress and the loose handling of the commands of Scripture, the fleshly approach to devotion to Christ. But where am I? What am I doing? It's so hard to see that I'm failing to die to self. If I'm honest with myself, I know the death and the resurrection as a means of my forgiveness. Do you hear my confession this morning? I know. I know it. To my shame, I know that His death and His resurrection is for my forgiveness. But I don't see it as an example for my, my death and for my walking out of His resurrected life. Not in here. I know it here, but I don't, I'm not experiencing it. <laughs> you know, I, I just started this book that... Um, the reason I got it, I, I saw it in a goodwill and, and uh, I remembered that uh, a, a worldly church that my parents in-law go to, you know they don't dress right and they don't sing and they sing off songs off the wall and they and they, <laughs> and they do all these things that we would say you know are worldly, and you know, their pastor bought one of these books for every single one of their congregation and told them to read it. Have you ever read this book? Has anyone had a chance to read this book? I know a few of you have. Uh, between this and that doctoral thesis I'm reading, I'm dying. This, this is wow. Um, hmm. Anyway, the pastor told them uh, all to read it. Many of them, uh, many of you have already written, it's written by the youngest pastor of a mega church, the church of Book Hill. Uh, they had over 4,000 members and many and many more attenders. As fleshly and as Americanized as they come, the church not the pastor. His struggle was that before he was a head of such a large church, he met with the leaders of many underground churches in Asia. And he saw the hunger and the thirst for the word of God and the steadfastness the leaders all had despite their persecutions and the death that faced them. As he came back to America, culture shock set in. He saw a softball game going on after church and all the picnics and the family get-togethers and the volleyball teams and all the things. And and he was part of a a conversation of the board of the church as they were thinking about buying some land, acquiring some land right next to the church, uh, next door, and they were going to make more baseball fields and uh, recreational grounds. And he saw the million dollars worth of vehicles coming into the, the church parking lot. And he's still holding the memory of seeing these pastors burdened and, and, and walking for miles and miles and miles through jungles and snakes and bugs and all that just to be able to sit in a dark hut on the floor and listen to the Word of God preached and to pray for hours, hours and hours weeping type prayers. And he's looking at all these fun families. And it was, it was just hard for him and uh, and then and to, just to add insult to injury, he was he was singing about going off to the sedan, um, and he picked up a, a Baptist newspaper from his denomination, and right there there's this big two big art well big article and a little tiny column over here. The big article was talking about the twenty three million dollars that they spent on a brand new church. Oh, the artwork and the carpentry and the, and, the, and just how beautiful this church was going to be. Twenty three million dollars, big long article. And then over here was a little article about Sudan. And he was interested in Sudan. He was heading out there pretty soon uh, to, to do some, uh, some missionary work. And um, it said that the whole Southern Baptist, I don't know if you guys if that rings a bell with anybody, Southern Baptist is one of the largest denominations in America. But the Southern Baptists were able to raise a lot of money to be able to help these people in a worn torn area. Uh, 35,000 refugees were dying of malnutrition. They just didn't have food. They were in a war-torn area, and there was disease. And and the article was saying that it looked like most of those people wouldn't make it to the end of the year. Imagine that. Imagine that phrase. 35,000 people, most of them won't make it to the end of the year. And so they raised all this money to be able to send food over to them. Now remember, $23 million for a building. $5,000 was raised by the Southern Baptists that year. And he was just like heartbroken. He was this is not a resurrected life. This is not a life that's affected, but this is a comfortable Christian life. It drove him back to Scriptures. And there's a big quote here I won't go to because of the time, but um, he was just just heartbroken all over that. You know, see, Jesus calls us to walk that resurrected life. It's not a safe route. It's not safe for us. It's not safe for our children. It is not safe... It's not protected by our abilities and our tactics to keep it safe. It is a call to an abandonment. You know, here, here, here's, here's a very telling verse. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now you know me. I don't stick to one translation. I like a lot of different translations. So... Uh, so why not write my own, right? So here's my own version of that. For me to live, I'm just being honest with you guys. For me to live as a Christ and to die as a gain. Here's my version. For me to live in Christ is to be blessed in this life. Have a great wife, a wonderful family, uniquely awesome church, good work, and it pays all the bills, and good health, and a and, and nice house, and cars, and... But in the end, to die would be fine because I am assured a place in heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ shed for me on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. That's that's comfortable. That's too comfortable. What's wrong with me? His sacrifice is a model. It's not a payment. I know I just offended some people here. I know that you're sitting there and as I was sitting there, I'd probably say, well, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. We live a life of devotion and following Him because of what He did. But make no mistake, He is the one that did the work. You know, here, Here's a list of Scriptures that say that. You know, I, I, I sit there, I can argue with me. <laughs> you know, All these things. He did all the work. I don't need to do the work. He did the work. Yes, He did pay it. But it seems to me it was not so that I could be forgiven, but that I could be in Him, identify with Him, identify with His death, and identify with His resurrection. In working through this thought, I came across the church website, webpage a couple nights ago that invited viewers of the webpage to leave a thought. Now, I was, you know, it was another Baptist place, by the way. Uh, Mooreshead Moore's Baptist Church. They had a webpage there, and they said, hey, just leave a thought. Let us know what you're thinking. So I did In my fellowship, all the brothers are tasked to give the main message on a rotating basis. I was asked to give the message this coming Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It made me pause and really think about the whys, why he died, why he suffered, and what does his resurrection mean. I believe it is not so I could be forgiven of my sins. That is a byproduct. He died so I could be resurrected. And thus empower me. He died so he could be resurrected. And thus empower me to walk a resurrected life. Set free from sin and walking different than I had before. He did not die so that I could one day go to heaven. No, he died so that I would follow him in his death today. And follow in his resurrection today. Every day. Changed and wanting more to be like him who died for me. It is said that the difference between the standard Christ sets for me and the standard I have for my own life in compromise is the degree of a hypocrite that I'm willing to be. May I learn what set free means. And may I learn today, before it's too late, what the resurrection means. I left my email. I don't know if he's going to respond back. But I did mean it. I want more of who possesses me to shine. Not just that people see more of the teachings of Jesus in my life worked out, but that they see Jesus. And the only way for that to happen is for me to die. And I, I would like to hear what you think about that. I would like to hear, maybe at the, whoever's going to do the comments later, if, if you, I want to hear how you would see yourself dying so Christ can shine through you. I need help. I am too comfortable. I want to hear what what you would see in your own life that you know that you need to give up or you have given up. That you're walking in a resurrected life in these things. I think we all need to hear that. You know, I found found this list and I thought it was pretty thought-provoking, so I wanted to share it with you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians uh, 2.20a, the first part of that verse. We have been saved, set free from sin by the death and resurrection. Uh, Through in Him we have freedom to overcome pride and arrogance and instead to be humble and meek of heart. We have freedom to overcome irritation and frustration and rather react with patience and kindness. Freedom to overcome despair and discouragement and instead be filled with hope and faith for the future. Freedom, not to get offended or bitter or envious of people, but rather to be thankful, loving, and joyful. Freedom, to be happy, to have joy, to get all of the virtues of Christ as part of my very nature. Nothing could be more desirable than that. I can be purified and comforted in the image of Christ. This is the great comfort that I know. And I got some sections from that uh, that doctorate thesis I've uh, been reading let me just so you can write down the name I think it's really a worth, worthwhile read it will challenge you as well um, his name is Isaiah Ritzman oh, it's two N's at the end And those who know Jeremy Brackett he looks a lot like Jeremy Brackett but he's a professor up in Canada um, I'm not going to do that I'm just, I'm just, what I want to share is this I haven't achieved it. I'm not standing up here as a one that says, I'm walking a resurrected life, folks. Follow me. I, I, I'm not. I mean, I'm not even so sure that Paul could say that, although he did. I, I, don't, I don't think that until we're on the other side of glory, can we truly say that we are dead to ourselves. And, and I'm getting beat up awfully bad by reading these books. And I've got to constantly remind myself, these are things I need to work out. The Holy Spirit is here to help me. He's uh, the the word the the Greek word for Holy Spirit is very purposeful, the Paraclete, the one who walks beside. It's very purposeful to, to call him the Holy Spirit that way. I need a constant reminder that I am failing and I need to get better. And I'm not I don't. There's value in being beat up, <laughs> but there's also value in healing. Um, but I just challenge you today. If, if there is any hope that you have for the future that is not representative of a resurrected life, if it's if it's something that you're living with today that, you know, it's this little thing I wish I could get rid of and, and I got this problem and I got this problem and I, you know, whatever it is, covetousness, gossip, pornography, uh, just wickedness in your heart, this uh, deceitfulness, whatever it is, that is a strong representation of flesh which keeps you from walking out a resurrected life. And if you're ever going to get to a point where where God shines through and not your take on God. Your spin on God. Or for that matter, just the principles of God are true. And If we live out His commands the, to some degree, we're going to be blessed to some degree. And there's going to be that blessings that people are going to be able to see. And, but again, that's our spin on God. I, I have the blessings of God and yet some poor missionary in the middle of the, that's eating bugs and he He is actually showing christ i 'm not i'm showing an American Christian, which I hate so anyway, kind of leaving you with nowhere to go but uh but focus on Christ and and go to him and say what in my life is holding you back I, I need the power i don't I don't want to just celebrate the fact that you died and resurrected so I can have fellowship with you I want. To be more like you, I want to be out of the way, and I want you in me to the point where people see Christ in the way I respond to the world and people around me. so let 's pray, Father, Lord that's a tall order and and I know I've said a lot of words, and I said it really fast up here, and I know that there's there's theology and doctrines and all that stuff just gets bogged down in our brains, but the bottom line is, Lord. If we call ourselves little Christ, little Christ, if we fo- if we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, and yet we are not possessed by you, you're not shining through us, then we're missing it. We would all say, Lord, I I believe we would all say in this room that it is more important for Christ to be in us than for us to be in Christ. I, I want you to shine through us, Lord. Reveal those things that are darkness in our lives and, and help us get rid of them. Help us, Lord, die to our sins. Help us to identify with you in your death so that we can identify with you in your resurrection. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Thank you.